0: I remember getting in our car and our neighborhood was extremely small it was kind of a circle with a horseshoe in the middle and I remember driving down my street um, with the windows down screaming my kids names and I found them they were playing just at a neighbor's house and I remember taking their bikes and throwing them in the back of my car screaming at them to get in the car you see my children went to bed that Sunday night Just everything was normal, but they woke up the next day to a different mama, and they didn't understand.
1: Did you finally realize your dream of having a family, only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and the persistent encourager. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own and I wished we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. And I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor. To offer biblical mindset support and to provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi neighbor, welcome to another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. Joining me today is my neighbor from Florida, Keisha Wright. Keisha is a professional life coach. She'll explain what that means in just a moment. Keisha believes trauma is an injury, not a disease, and it should be dealt with as an injury, which means you have to be taught how to get well. Keisha is going to share her story with us today. I believe she will inspire you. I know she inspires me. Thank you for joining us today, Keisha. As we begin, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Tim, thank you so much for having me on. I am super excited um, just to be here and and share um, a a part of my life. Um, I am a life coach. And so what does that mean? Um, I've been doing this for about 12 years um, God has asked me to jump into life with people and do the hard, walk a part of their journey that's really difficult, that oftentimes they feel like they're walking alone, Um, but God has asked me to jump in. And I feel that he has done that just out of my own um hurt, pain, and trauma in my life, the necessity of needing to reach out, like, where's the 911 when we are going through emotional or spiritual um, battles that can oftentimes be so lonely. So I do that from a couple of different platforms, and we can talk about that later. But the the purpose of you having me um, on today is just to share my story of of hurt, pain, and trauma. And what did, how did healing benefit my children and, and my family? And so I am going to share a part of my life um, that never in a million years would I have thought that God would have used the absolute most embarrassing, the most tragic, painful part of my story um, of my life, uh, 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 Just even me not wanting to share out of sure embarrassment and and, and pain, um, did he use this messy message to give so many people um, an opportunity to believe that um, recovery from trauma is real? And so I was just a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I say just a stay-at-home mom. Um, I feel like that is, is just all encumbersome and, and has so many hats. But I was a, I was I was your normal stay-at-home mom. My kids were in private Christian school, and we were in the part of transitioning from going from a, a private Christian school even to a virtual homeschooling platform. And you have to remember this story happened um, almost twelve years ago, and so that was before virtual was super popular, and so it was. Just just a different path that my family was um, embarking. Um, my husband was a consultant for a Fortune 500 company, and that required lots of travel. Um, and I, sadly to say, um, enjoyed him being gone. And I didn't realize that was because there was an underlining um, issue of hurt that we both hadn't dealt with, we dove into marriage and, um, thought that with just loving each other and loving Jesus, that was going to be enough. And and unfortunately for us, it wasn't. And so, um, I was just that parent that was super involved with what their kids did. Um, I led a Bible, a Thursday morning Bible study. Um, I was just normal, boring, You know, typical American Christian conservative family is what we were. And so um, when this trauma hit, my family literally rang the doorbell. Um, my world came crashing down. So let me just kind of go back and explain my husband's job. He would travel either, he would fly out either on Sunday evening or early Monday mornings, and then he would fly back in on Thursday night. And so I had the benefit of being kind of the single mama with no, um, you know, financial hardship. And so Antoine would come home Thursday evening, um, Thursday night, pretty late. And and we would air quote play house um, Thursday evening through Sunday um, because we weren't capable at that point in our marriage to even really deal with um, really the impact of um, understanding each other's hurts and pains. Um, So we did that for many years. And this one particular trip Um, Antoine needed to work on the other coast. So for those of you that don't understand Florida geography, we lived in Fort Myers, and he had to just two hours over to the other coast and he had to do some type of training. And this was kind of the week before school started, and he said, hey, do you want to, you and the kids want to drive over with me? We're going to go, I'm going to go the other coast. I got to work. I do some training, and you guys can come with, and that excited me um, because we were going to stay in a really nice hotel and a really cool pool, and daddy can do training, and we can kind of, you know, do the zoo or the children's museum and, and do whatever we wanted to do during the day, and then we get to um, have dinner with dad at some really nice restaurants at night. And so that was our week. It was fun, uneventful. Um, and we drove home. Um, that was on a Saturday. We left um, heading back home and um, Antoine had to hop on a flight on Sunday, heading to Indianapolis, Indiana. And he was doing work there. That's where his project was based out of. And um, so Sunday was pretty typical for us Sunday night Antoine and I were on the phone and we were just talking to what I thought was a normal conversation. So it's the night before school starts. And for all of you mamas, you know what that is. You're trying to get your kids to bed early. So it's the night before school starts. And my friend um, beeped in. I was on the phone with Antoine and she clicked over and she said, hey, I'm on my way to bring your mail. Um, I'll be there in a little bit. And so That didn't seem abnormal. She had checked my mail all week and um, she was going to drop it off. Antoine was in the middle of what I know now trying to kind of tell me something, but I wasn't picking that up. And all of a sudden my doorbell rang and I kind of just said, I got to go by. And I really thought it was my neighbor down the street, even though she was the kind of neighbor that never rang the doorbell. I thought it was odd. It's about nine o'clock at night and her kids are going to school the next day, too. So I I really thought that was odd. Um, But I hung up quickly with my husband and I opened the front door. And Tim, that's where my life changed. Um, There was a man standing on my porch and he began talking to me. I'm standing there in my pajamas, not really comprehending everything that he was saying, but enough to understand that something's wrong. And this man began to tell me how my husband owed him money. And if you know my husband, he has absolutely zero debt. Um, and I felt that that was really odd. Um, my head knew something that my mouth didn't know. I say that all the time. I'd watched enough Lifetime movies to know never to say that my husband wasn't home. But my mouth, for whatever reason, didn't get that memo. And so as he began to ask, where was my husband? I began to tell him that he wasn't home. There was a lady standing down my driveway and I'll never forget, she had a black baseball cap on. And for whatever reason that bothered me because it was at nine o'clock at night and why do you wear a ball cap? And she began to walk towards my door and hand me a phone. And I do not have a photographic memory at all. And my brain began taking these pictures of text messages. And then I was handed some pictures, nothing inappropriate, but it was just pictures of my husband walking to our rental car that we had in um, the Fort Lauderdale area. And that's where my world changed. This man began to explain that my husband had been with a prostitute, and I didn't understand even what that meant. My world crumbled that night. I don't have very vivid memories of the next day. I, I know now um, from lots of training and lots of things that I was in a state of shock, a state of trauma. Um, I did not realize that my husband had been leading a double life. I absolutely have zero memory of Monday. None. I've fasted and prayed and asked God to, to show me Monday. Um, I am one of those that believe that God reveals to heal, and I have come to the conclusion that Monday is a memory that I am not supposed to have this side of heaven. And so I don't remember Monday. My next memory was Tuesday afternoon, where my kids were asking me, could they go play with their friends? And I remember telling them yes, and I remember Antoine calling me, and by this time, Tim, I'm starting to understand that my husband has a life that I know nothing about. We have been married for 10 years. How do I not know? How am I married to a complete stranger? And I am angry would be an understatement. I am Mm -hmm. furious. And I remember Antoine calling and asking me where were the kids. And I remember vividly telling him that he doesn't have children anymore. I I have children and it's really none of his business where they are. And it was the tone of his voice that was very alarming and concerning where he began to tell me these people were taking pictures of our children and sending them to him. Our children were a part of their chores were taking the, the trash can and the recycle bin from the end of the driveway up back to the back of the house. And they had begin taking pictures of our children. And I remember never hanging the phone up, jumping out of my bed and running down the street, barefoot screaming my children's names and not being able to find them. I was completely panic stricken Um, At the time, my children were about 10 and 5, and so they were young. I remember getting in our car, and our neighborhood was extremely small. It was kind of a circle with a horseshoe in the middle, and I remember driving down my street with the windows down screaming my kids' names, and I found them. They were playing just at a neighbor's house, and I remember – taking their bikes and throwing them in the back of my car, screaming at them to get in the car. You see, my children went to bed that Sunday night. Just everything was normal, but they woke up the next day to a different mama and they didn't understand. Antoine and I were thrown in the best Christian counseling that we could possibly afford at that time, um, three times a week. Um, So he did come home on Thursday, um, just like normal. And, um, by Friday we're in counseling and, um, we begin this journey of I go, he'd go and we'd go together. We'd begin this three day a week process. And I was not understanding how this was going to be helpful. Like it was what we were supposed to do because of what had taken place. And I remember, you know, anytime you go to counseling and other people walk in the room when it was my individual session and and they begin to tell me that, Akeisha, because of what has taken place, you are not able to make a legal decision for the next six months because of the trauma that has been just placed upon you. You can't make a legal decision. Now, what does that mean? That means you and Anton legally can't separate. We can't force you to allow them to live at home, but you can't have a legal separation. You can't buy a house or sell your house. There's just some legal things because of the trauma that you've been through um, that we really feel like is not healthy for you to make decisions. And at the time, I was okay. With that. I felt like, okay, well, it is now my job To make his life a living hell for six months. Okay, put me in coach. I can do that. I did not realize because of unresolved hurt and pain in my life, I was not able to deal with the pain of the present because I never had dealt with the pain of the past. You know, I grew up in a really normal home. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a mill worker. We were, you know, a typical Christian family, but there's not a person that has not ever experienced hurt and pain in their life. And oftentimes we want to use the big word trauma and we think of situations like my story or or catastrophic situations and we feel like that's what we classify as trauma. But I want to inform not just you but your guests, that trauma is anything that's not dealt with. If it's causing you pain, then it's keeping you in bondage. And and when things hit your life, unless you've learned to deal with the pain of the past, you can't deal with the pain of the present. And I was incapable of dealing with this pain because of unresolved pain of my past. And so I remember continuing this counseling journey, and it was not helping. I was going in and and I was emotionally vomiting all over this counselor, but I wasn't walking out any different than when I walked in. I found myself just giving him these detailed updates on why my life is so screwed up and how this man has ruined my life. I remember somewhere in the middle of this Six month journey of me not being able to leave, me asking my counselor, I remember him asking him the question, like, David, how long is it going to be until I start to feel better? And I remember David getting really excited about that question. And it's obvious that I had asked David a lot of questions that he couldn't answer, but this one he could. And he said, Oh, Keisha, I can answer that. It's going to take you about three to five years. Before you start to feel better. This was the session that Antoine was present in. And I remember saying like, wait, what? Tell me again. And he repeated it. It's going to take about three to five years before you start to feel better. Tim, it felt like someone had taken all the oxygen out of the room. Three to five years before I start to feel better. I remember looking at David and I looked back at Antoine and I told David He doesn't have three to five years to live and I'm not taking three to five years to get better. I felt like at that point, killing my husband was a much better option than the three to five year plan that David was offering. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I, I, I can't take three to five years not to heal Tim, to start to feel better. I looked at David and I said, I will not take three to five years to feel better. I will find a better way. I will find a quicker way. I will hit the fast forward button, but I can't. I will die waiting three to five years. I didn't know anything else to do, but continue with counseling. Um, Antoine had asked me, would I go to a marriage conference with him? And I thought that was a pretty dumb thing to offer, but it was at the end of my six months and I thought I had nothing else to lose. And I felt like there was no marriage conference, That was going to be able to help us. None. But God had a different plan. I went to that conference in Indianapolis and I met this lady that decided to jump into life with me and to help me and to teach me how to navigate my hurt and pain. I would love to tell you and your listeners that I dove into God's word and I fasted and I prayed and and I cried out to God. And I remember... That wasn't at all what I did. I felt like Jesus had left me. I was serving him. I was, we were that, you know, private Christian school family. We were that homeschooling now family. And and we were now the the family that has a prostitute and a pimp that show up to their door. Like that doesn't even match. And I couldn't comprehend how could Jesus leave me when I had spent my life serving him. It wasn't until this lady began pointing out, He said, You've got to go back and you've got to start dealing with things. You can't continue just stuffing this hurt and pain in your life, yet expecting a different result. And so she began to to challenge me and ask me questions and and push me and 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 nothing would have ever prepared me for this story that I didn't want anybody to know. That now I tell, not out of a place of being proud that Antoine and I overcame this. It's out of a place that God can take the most messiest, the most unhopeful, the most disgusting things in your life, And if you're willing to dive in and and dissect hurt and pain in your life, he can take that what is so filthy and he can turn it into a message so that others can believe. He can turn that test into a testimony so that others can believe that healing is truly possible. As I begin this journey, I kept going to counseling. And I found myself telling David the things that I was doing to get better. He was completely floored. And I finally said, David, I'm not going to keep paying you to tell you how I'm getting better. And I remember walking out of his office not knowing what the journey was going to be like. But I was okay because I was willing to do the hard work. The one thing that I like about what I teach in my clinics is you don't need your spouse in order to heal. There were times that Antoine was incapable. He was a wounded man, too. There was times that I was incapable of being there for him because I, too, was wounded. But what I teach people is when you change, the relationships in your life are forced to change because mm-hmm. now you are going to be forcing those people to. To deal with a person that's well, not a person that's wounded. And so I believe that as parents, we oftentimes parent out of our poverty. We oftentimes aren't willing to look at where our deficiencies are and expose them to our children because we need them to think that we're heroes. And as Antoine and I took this journey, we began telling a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old all of the sin in our life, because we saw that the enemy's job was to still kill, and destroy. And if we were not going to equip them with the pain of our past to make that a part of their battle plan, we were then sending them out like sheep to a slaughter, just with hopes that they wouldn't make the same mistakes as their parents'. We did some really scary stuff and really told them who we were. And sometimes that can be really frightening. But we found that it's a part of not only our healing process, but that we are changing generations because we are turning the lights on on things that the enemy wanted us to keep in darkness.
1: I've heard you tell this story to me privately before. But each time I hear it, well, first of all, I want to applaud you for your courage to share it, because too many people want to put on that fake facade of perfection. Honestly, we're all broken. We all have things that we're ashamed of or things that we haven't resolved. And I really do appreciate the fact that you're one to share a very difficult situation and time in your life. Just so all the listeners know, you and Antoine made it through this, and you are together today.
0: Yes, we Which, are awesome. almost 20 years, 20 years in June.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, um, yeah, we, we are, we are still together. Mm-hmm. We are still on this healing journey. Um, and when I say that, meaning we don't, we don't live in this, this pain of, you know, a prostitute coming into our house, but there's so many tools that we've learned along this journey that we we keep on the forefront of our mind. And, and the reason why is because we never want to go back. Mm-hmm. We know that God has delivered us from something. And so because he has, we want to keep that as a um, something that we exercise and tools that we use in our, mm-hmm. in our daily life. And we teach, we teach that mm-hmm. um, to individuals as well as couples. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to pause the interview at this point because I want to get to your daily doable. I want to encourage you to reflect on what you've heard. As you reflect, I want you to think how you can be vulnerable too. Not that you have to share your story on a podcast. But how can you share your story? Can you share it to a close friend? Can you share it to paper? Can you share it to God? Being vulnerable and sharing your story is part of the healing process. In part two of this interview, Keisha will share some of the tools her and Antoine have been using to heal themselves. Here's a preview of that episode.
0: You know, it takes absolutely no energy or effort. To line people up and say, Keisha, you were right. You have the right to feel this way. You have the right to be to 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 be angry or to 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 be revengeful or or vindictive. You have those rights because of what happened to you. And I teach in my clinic there's a difference between being right and being well. Mm-hmm. Jesus asked us, did we want to be well? Not do we want to be right? Mm-hmm. So being well takes a different kind of journey.
1: That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Modlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.